What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R rfm Back to the show. I'm Carrie Corgan, and this is The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. In our latest season, I'm joined by Lizzie Hale, Warren Zanes, Daphne A. Brooks, and many more to revisit Jeff Buckley's Grace. We discuss Buckley's femininity in an era of hypermasculine alt-rock, how the record's mythology was shaped by his tragic death, and the delicate work of keeping his legacy alive. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you listen to podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of This Must Be The Gig. I'm your host, Lior Phillips, and each and every single week I bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene. And that could really mean chatting to festival founders about why they curated certain lineups, musicians about their first gigs, choreographers, comedians, actors about the nuance of performance, really anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are here. So before we dig into one of our favorite episodes, uh, this week's fantastic interview is just uh, around the corner. Let's quickly just check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, Engineer Adam. Hello! Hey! Hey, happy Wednesday! I just want to say a quick thank you to all the Joe Keery fans, all the Stranger Things fans, all the amazing people who sent such wonderful messages after last week's episode. It was a really fun chat and I'm just so grateful and glad that so many people loved it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Absolutely. It was so cool to have that many people so excited about it. And um, for those of you that came back for this week, welcome. 
We've got Welcome. an incredible follow-up. Mm-hmm. So many fantastic episodes for you to come. Just stick around. It's going to be a good ride. I know. Can you believe we are now on episode number 68? 68. 68. Wow. I don't know. I just think the rising tides, as we get older, yes. it's getting more real. And I'm having to reflect more and more. I feel like I'm going through an existential ageism crisis without Because of the number 68. Yeah. Now you're like, what am I going to be at, at 68? 68? No, I'm also thinking, who was I at one? You oh, know, wow. episode one. Look back yeah. that, at that yeah, one. Yeah, was yeah. Shirley Manson of Garbage. But, uh, so 68, according to trustedpsychicmediums.com. And they're trusted, mind you. Sure, legit, certified. The number 68 is a sign of great abundance and prosperity. Wow, I did not know that. I just Googled 68. (laughs) Uh, It says here that the number symbolizes the changes that are about to come and that will add great prosperity to your life. And also, it's the atomic number of erbium. Fun, right? Yeah. That, what is erbium? Erbium is... Uh, is that uh, just how you Americans say herb? Yes. Yeah, we say herbium. herbium. <laughs> I love that rundown. I tried to register just regular psychicmediums.com, but I couldn't get trusted psychicmediums.com. <laughs> yeah. They didn't allow that. I'm not trusted yet. Capital T. <laughs> so let's dig into our favorite fun feature that everyone loves. <laughs> The live show of the week. Why are we sounding spooky? It's not Halloween yet. It's almost oh, it's Halloween. Halloween. No, I don't know. I think we're just having trouble harmonizing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the future, we'll get better at this harmonizing. So each and every week, we highlight one of the most exciting events in the live music world that we can find to share with all of you, our listeners out there. This week, we've got a special one. But it's not because we think... The sharing is not because we think you do not know. No. It is to emphasize the calendar. So for this week's live show of the week, we are shouting out our favorite Lizzo. Hey. Who, I'm not saying this, but like we all were talking about it in like a long time. Yeah, like I know. Lizzo. It's like a couple, like maybe a couple yeah, years like a couple ago. Years. I mean, um, Lizzo is now at the one and only Radio City Music Hall in New York City. On Sunday, September 22nd. And I'm just going to say it. I am unapologetically madly in love with Lizzo. uh, And always have been. And if you read many of my features from many years ago, you will see her name pop up. And she even did a a very fun uh, Valentine's Day Dazed and Confused feature. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, I had her and Billie Eilish, actually, on the... You were up early on both of them. I mean... That's what we do here. No, <laughs> there's a lot of people that I miss, but I feel like I am allowed to say that uh, I love her work. And her. And her. What else can we say about this show? I mean, you're talking about Radio City Musical, which is like one of those venues that you just see a picture of and you know it screams history. It's got all of that showbiz glamour. It's almost 90 years old. Did you know that? I did not. I had to so look that up. So is the music box in Chicago. Amazing. <laughs> So it's not our podcast yet. Anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're almost there, though. But I would not be surprised if Lizzo really, like, hypes up for such a big show. That's going to be incredible. I'm not saying Rockettes out loud, but I'm, you know, I'm not not saying it. No. You never know. So how do we, how do people get tickets? What do people do? I would recommend that if you want to get on the excitement of that show or any other show at all ever... StubHub. That's right. You head to StubHub. StubHub. Via 
cosradio.lv slash stubhub s-t-u-b-h-u-b to find the best selection of tickets to the hottest shows that's cosradio.lv slash stubhub so go to that link it will take you into a wondrous magical portal like narnia but for the internet and the digital (laughs) age so we started this conversation last week but i wanted to kind of keep it going I want to just send a little challenge out to my listeners that we now want to hear from even more of you. What is your favorite venue? Was it your backyard when you put on a a tiny DIY show in the back streets of uh, Porto in Lisbon? Was it a little place that you stumbled on whilst traveling around Tokyo? Was it Madison Square Garden? Garden. So we just want to know what your favorite venue is. We're doing a little uh, quantitative, qualitative research over here in our labs. Um, And of course, the only way that we can do it is if you tell us. We cannot make this stuff up. We don't make the rules. And the best way for you to tell us is to go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Google Google Podcasts. Podcasts. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, go there subscribe rate and leave this as a review your favorite venue what is it leave it as a five-star review you have to do it it's the rules what is one of your favorite venues my favorite venue is the hideout in chicago i'm on the record i'm on their website listed as it being my favorite web uh, my favorite venue it's a hundred percent true it's a hundred percent true oh my god i'm good i wrote one of my very first articles as a music journalist a decade ago was highlighting my favorite venue. It was Wait, the hideout and it's still the, on, on their website. Hear me typing? The perfect place to go. Oh my gosh. January 9th. Eight years ago. Wow. Okay. So that's your favorite. I'm not going to answer as quickly as you because I do not know what my favorite venue is. Flip. What is my favorite venue? Maybe one of my favorites is um, Tivoli Friedenberg oh, in man. Utrecht yeah. in the Netherlands, which is a kind of sound hall, but that's maybe cheating. I don't know. I've seen some of the most incredible yeah. live performances of my life in there, so I think it counts. Okay, so let's return the attention because that is not the most important thing of this. <laughs> I think we're also delaying because it's we're kind of in shock here. I know, TMB we're so TV. pumped about this one. So let's return the attention to this week's chat. Our guest this week is the legendary, experimental, vocal range-defying and genuinely lovely Mike Patton. Mike's list of projects is so vast and jaw-dropping that I kind of hesitate to even begin to list it. Though, of course, you may know him from... Though I will try, because you may know him from Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, we can't forget other acts like Phantomas, Tomahawk, Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, Painkiller, am I forgetting anything? The Nevermen, and a whole bunch of projects that leap from metal to jazz with stops everywhere in between. Just this past week, speaking of somewhere in between... Mike released a brand new record called Corpse Flower, which is a collaboration with French composer Jean-Claude Venier, who is best known for his work with the legendary Serge Gainsbourg. Uh, Mike's been called one of the greatest vocalists of all time and for good measure, I would say. Mm -hmm. He's got perhaps the widest vocal range in rock history and is so incredibly expressive and emotionally evocative, so much so that he's also worked in voiceover, which is fascinating, contributing the monstrous sounds to... 
2007's Will Smith film, I Am Legend, as well as the zombie noises in the iconic <laughs> video game series Left 4 Dead, among other roles. So he has kind of this enigmatic mystery to him. So, so as expected, I was incredibly fascinated the entire time. And uh, Mike is kind of mischievous. <laughs> is that the right word? I think so. Uh, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time, but we love this record. So go out and buy Corpse Flower. Um, it really is everything as Adam described. And this chat shows that breadth and that depth of his career perfectly, I think. We got to chat about his first meeting uh, Faith No More at a gig at a pizzeria, the inspiration of Serge and Tom Waits on this brand new album and the importance of experimentation and the power of being just yourself so let us not be delayed this is me and mike Patton. enjoy so funny she was like he switched from his cell phone to his landline and i swear to god i've never heard such beautiful romantic words before because like i know that the landline will be so much clearer and i'm just so hell happy. yeah <laughs> wait just say that again hell. i said hell yeah <laughs> Fuck, what year is it? I feel like a fucking idiot for, like, liking the fact that we're talking on landlines. But, you know, you've got to make it happen. The, the, only reason that, the only reason that I that I switched to the landline, to be honest, my uh, my goddamn cell phone battery is about to die. Uh, so. What do you wish somebody told you about performance or the music industry before you got into it all? Is there something that you feel like you wish you, you knew at the time? No. Nothing. Because if they would have told me, I wouldn't have listened. <laughs> because when I started doing it, I was 19 years old. So when Gosh. you're 19, I don't know, you know, I don't know about you, but I wasn't listening to anybody. No, no. So I just wanted to experience my own thing. And, and I really started mm -hmm. um, kind of really, you know, green behind the ears. And, and <clears throat> I didn't know shit. You know, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never traveled outside the country. I'd never done nothing. So, um Really, I think that, that even if people would have given me advice, it would have been on, fallen on deaf ears. Yeah. Um, I had to kind of do it myself and, and figure out, hey, what, what worked for me, you know? Like, and yeah, you know, like over, over that period of time, and, and, and that was 40-something years ago. Um, <laughs> no, no, 30, 30, 30, no, 30, I'm 51 now, 19, 51, so... You do the math. Yes. It was a while ago. Yeah. It was a while ago. <laughs> but also, it's such a funny age, I suppose, because you are kind of thrust outside, you know, you, you, you like into things that you might not have been into, but you still have, you know, your 20s to go through and make mistakes, and then your 30s to kind of mm -hmm. do the same thing. So, obviously, 19 is kind of a sweet spot where you can fuck up and you can do a bunch of things that might not matter. Or things, you know, that affect you for the rest of your life. But w w why did you, was there a reason why you waited until then? When did you find it all? When when did you realize that, oh shit, this is exactly what I wanted to do? I don't know if I'm even there yet. 
<laughs> oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm right. not kidding when I say yeah. that. Uh, uh, basically, I happened upon this, if you want to call it a career or lifestyle or, mm. or whatever. Um, you know, I didn't most musicians, you know, say, Oh, I always wanted a dream of going on tour. And I didn't grow up a musician and I didn't grow up wanting to be one. Um, it just fucking happened. And it was a series of, you know, accidents. And then at a certain point I did sort of realize, Hey, I'm okay at this. And, and maybe I should, <clears throat> you know, give a shot, keep going. Um, but really all I thought about it, you know, as the context that I put it in was like, this is just something that I'm going to do for fun. Right. And I always, in the back of my mind was like, okay, this is going to dry up someday and <laughs> I'm going to have to get a real fucking job and, uh, and, and, you know, knock on fucking wood. It hasn't happened yet, but, but that, that who knows it, it could all change tomorrow. So. I'm super grateful, super thankful, and, and <clears throat> more than anything, I'm really lucky yeah. to, to be doing uh, uh, what I'm doing and for having done it, you know, for so long. But then, so I read, I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is right because I kind of don't believe anything I read. <laughs> Almost some, good some for of the you. Things. That's the way to be. Even though I am a journalist and I write, and I hope people believe what I say. But <laughs> you, you know, you you first. This is what I read that you first met Faith No More at a pizza parlor, and that was also yeah. like a music venue. Yeah. As well, well oh not really. God. It was a pizza parlor. Okay. Okay. It was a pizza parlor. Yeah. So, but I. But, so then, but they, did you but play they did music? gigs there, like it was oh. on campus where I was going to school. Okay. They didn't really have a venue, so bands would play in the in the in the pizza parlor. I mean, I love <laughs> those weird venue spaces that just kind of pop up that are combined with other businesses. Is that is that the what are the different places that you feel like you remember playing the ones that weren't essentially made for music oh, God. but you landed up playing them anyway? Plenty army bases, <laughs> um, oh strip clubs. <laughs> uh, I remember Faith No More opening uh, the first time I ever went to Austin, Texas. I was so excited. I'm like Austin, oh, this is supposed to be this really crazy place, and we opened for male strippers. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you can like a band can open for strippers? Yeah, oh. apparently they can. Did you get some of those very, bills? very, it's a very <laughs> spinal tap. Yeah. I was just going to say, this <laughs> sounds suspect. Oh, my God. Yeah. But do you, no, like, it's true. over the years, do you remember, what was the first concert? Was, the, was your first show when you were 19? Do you remember the first performance that you ever, that you ever had? It was probably Mr. Bungle hmm. um, at like a high school talent show. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> Do you remember it at yeah. all? Um, no. Oh. I mean, I remember it was awful, but, but that's all I remember. And the first show that you ever saw? Um, that's a tougher one. Hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. But I'm going to just make a wild guess here. And I think it was Eddie Money at, like, the local sort of, like, Grange Hall, like, in this small town that I grew up in. Where and did you my, grow up? Uh, a, a place called Eureka, California. Okay. Uh, way yeah. up uh, in Humboldt County, like, where the, where the weed grows. Are you still in California now? Yes, but I'm in San Francisco. Uh, oh, wow. 
What made you move there? Well, it was the closest city that I could get to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good, good answer, my man. But you, you, really? mentioned, you mentioned Mr. Bungle, and that's just so fascinating. You were so quick to adapt from <clears throat> you know, metal to incorporate so many different sounds and influences. But then what were you... I, I don't. I cringe to ask this, but I think it's fascinating, and I'm sure the listeners would find it as well. But what were you listening to at the time? Like, what was your relationship to genre like at the time? Or were you just gung-ho in experimenting? I guess the best way I could put it is I, I worked in a record store at the okay. time, and it was the only record store in town. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd worked there for... Uh, a number of years and kind of built up a little bit of uh, trust. And so they let me order records. Mm. So I started ordering the craziest shit just because I, not because I thought it would sell mm. because I wanted to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be like, yeah, like, you know, like dub stuff, um, mm. hardcore stuff, crazy uh, avant-garde jazz stuff, things that I was just like, Hey, I'm not going to sell this shit, but I'm going to listen to it. So what I would do is I would get um, these records, and they'd come in like every Tuesday, I believe it was. And so I'd open up the box, take out the ones I wanted, take them home, tape them, <laughs> bring them back, and seal them up, and then try and sell them. <laughs> oh, my God. Really bad. Like, I'm the <laughs> so worst employee. Awful. Yeah, so bad. So somebody so bad. got, well, to be honest, can you imagine somebody listening to this, and they're like, shit, I might own a record that Mike touched <laughs> you know i don't Come know on. if that no. really would matter <laughs> because no one would buy the ones that i touched believe me yeah <laughs> that's very sneaky but look i mean you got to do what you got to do you just had this this to listen to new music i thought i think that that's when you're a curious kind of yeah when you're a curious teenager man yeah. that's the way to yeah. do it so what i would do is i'd share all the all those tapes with 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 my buddies and stuff especially at that time um, yeah. the mr bungle guys and I'd be like hey man <laughs> check out this guy he's yeah. like a reggae guy this is weird shit or mm. you know whatever so um we would have like we'd hook up and you know i'd play them tapes of shit that i that i basically ripped off oh my god you're like the IRL uh, napster you know, yeah, like not, good. Play, not, not good. good, not good, not good, <laughs> not good, no tickets, not good. <laughs> but I, lo I love that, you know, obviously talking about, I'm sure a lot of people mention this and they speak to you, but you know, not only are your influences just, you've built such an incredible esoteric universe of so many different projects, but then going back to Mr. Bungle, it's, that was also known for its performances, you know, the costumes, the masks, the themes, the theatrics of it. So where did that idea come from? How did you mix your love for all these different genres and your curiosity for it with also like, oh, I'm going to put on the show and I have this aesthetic for it? I think the reason we started doing that was very early on because we were uncomfortable. You know, we were like nervous. So it's like, hey, let's wear, uh, and like in the old days, we'd wear like, uh, it's hard to explain, but like these mm. bread bags over our heads. <laughs> and then that kind of came later into, into masks. And, and I think it's more so just because we were geeks and, and kind of nervous. And, and, and when you're hiding behind something, it makes you feel maybe a little more secure about what you're doing. Sure, <laughs> At sure. least then it did, yeah. 
And also having that persona on stage, you know that you're going to connect on a different level where people will maybe also notice the costumes, but also, you know, you don't have to worry. You can just play the music as opposed to being a little bit self-conscious, you know, about yeah, being going on like stage. looking like looking somebody in the eye and, you know, going, hey, do you like this? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> it was like more like. But wait, but you got hey, like man, that. we're going to go for this. Yeah. We're going to go for this. And if yeah. you don't like it, then, you know, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But then, so you got like that. I mean, your performances, the other day when I found out that we were chatting, I was like, oh, I'm going to look around and see what's on the internet. And Uh-oh. there's so <laughs> much shit of you on the internet. I think the best one, I think, well, one of the ones that I saw was you climbing some crane with the microphone. Like, you had two hands climbing the crane, and then you had a microphone, like, in your hmm. mouth. I suppose that... Might have been me. I'm not sure. I cannot confirm or deny. (laughs) But so talking about (laughs) like getting comfy, this might sound like a trivial question, but then what did you do to make sure that you were okay? Well, years of, uh, of doing it and, and, um, and realizing that, man, you know what? As long as you do it well and you feel good when you walk off that stage, Mm. then that's enough. And, and, and really just kind of putting it in perspective. It's like, this is not <clears throat> live or die situation. Mm. Hey, you have a bad show. You have a bad show or, and, and, or, you know, you want to go even deeper. People like you or they don't like you. Not the end of the world. Um, because that's always going to happen. And especially if you're doing something that might be, let's just say a little challenging, you know, musically and, 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 Pretty much most of the bands I've been in have kind of been pushing in that direction, meaning it's not exactly the most likable stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not yeah, pop music. It's, it's, it's not, not, access, it's not Barbara as accessible. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love Barbara. But yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> but no, but you're right because even just looking, there's very few people, I suppose, that you can. You, I mean, there's not many people like you, but there's very few people that would do that, would have multiple projects, you know, between um, Tomahawk and Moonchild Trio. And, uh, you know, there's so much that you've worked on that I suppose isn't... Yeah, but people do that all the time now. Back back, back then, you know, in the, yeah. Then it was sort of, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a little different. And it was actually... A little bit frowned upon, you know. You, you, you were supposed to be in one band, right? And um, have one sound. And if, yeah, and 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 if you played in multiple bands, then well, you were an adulterer, and you yeah. were cheating on your main band. And I got a lot of a lot of heat from that, from a lot of different sources. Um, and um, but I just kept doing it. And and but nowadays, hey man, everybody everybody has multiple projects and, and it's, you know, I mean, maybe it's considered more of a hustle now, but to me, it was just mm-hmm. always kind of a, a normal way of making music. Was it just because your brain, cause obviously that cross pollination now with genres, it, it's you totally right. A lot of people do that, but was it just because there was different parts of your brain, just like you mentioned at the record store that was like, Oh, I need to see what I can do with this. Like, how far did your exploration sure, yeah. for that go? Well, it was, to me, it was like learning, learning. Mm. And me, uh, I'm not a studied musician. You know, I, I didn't go to school for it. Um, I don't read music. Um, I'm 
pretty much self-taught, but really the way that I figured out, <clears throat> the only way that I could figure out to really learn um, was by doing. Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. Are you looking at a calendar full of great events but struggling to find tickets? StubHub's gotcha. Whatever your favorite band, team, or venue, StubHub is here to save the day with the best tickets for any budget. Whether you're looking for a seat at a Broadway show, tickets to the summer's big arena tour, or a night of cheering on your hometown team, StubHub has the seats you're looking for at the price you want to pay. Head to cosradio.lv StubHub or their user-friendly app to find tickets that are 100% guaranteed by FanProtect. StubHub's never sold out with the most shows, the most tickets, and the most fans. So head on over to cosradio.lv slash StubHub or the StubHub app. The best tickets to the best experiences in music, sports, and theater. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. So it was like on-the-job training, and it was trial by fire. And so being in a band with, like, maybe a saxophone player and, you know, in, in, out of my element was, was exciting and because I knew that even if it sucked, I would learn something and take something away, you know, from that and, and maybe be able to um, put it in my pocket and continue on with it. And uh, I still do that. I really do. It's a very uh, craftsman's way of dealing with music, as opposed to an artistic way. Right, you know but it's I mean? also really fucking scary. <laughs> like, I don't, there's so many but people. Hey, man. Yeah. Not that scary. <laughs> no, that in scary. terms of, not in terms of like, it will paralyze a person and they won't do anything. It's just so challenging. And as you said, you know, a lot of people do that now, but back in the day, people didn't really challenge themselves like that because they obviously didn't think that they could or maybe they just knew that they would get too much of a backlash i don't know just how how did you get so brave <laughs> like how did you how did you I don't continue know, dude. to do it and, and to me it didn't seem brave it was just right. normal yeah and, it was just and, what you were doing you know i i the, i guess the best way i could put it is <clears throat> the way that i listened to music is the way that i played it meaning you know put some put some iPod on shuffle or, or drop a needle on this record and then put the next one on. And it could be, you know, an Egyptian singer or a fucking uh, rapper or, uh, 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 you know, a tenor saxophonist. Right. And they could all come in succession. I listen to music like that. I still do in that way. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the shuffle mentality. Right. And yeah. So that's also the way that I kind of ma- ended up making, making music mm. was sort of like that. Yeah. Also, you mentioned earlier that you haven't obviously had any classical training. You know, you don't read music, but you have, again, one of the most iconic ranges in rock music. I'm sure you've heard that many times, but I think it's not only in terms of notes, but it's, it's just extreme ranges of sound. Um, to the point that obviously you've you've you know had the chance to work as a voice actor in movies and video games and so so much further than a normal singer might have you know been able to accomplish. But then how how were you how were you able then to push your mindset into all those different avenues and make sure that you were still yourself? Well, being yourself is the easiest thing in the world to do. 
<laughs> it really is. That is true. <laughs> if you think about it. That is true. <clears throat> um, but I think what kept pushing me um, in some ways to keep going and to try different things was just curiosity, like thirst. You know, I, I like like I said, I, I I think that started from an early age. I grew up in a small town where there was really kind of like nothing, and and so it developed uh, with me and also all the guys in Mr. Bungle this weird like thirst, this taste. What's next? What's out there? What like this weird curiosity? You know, after a while, the thirst turns into an appetite, and then all of a sudden you're 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 overeating, mm. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're stuffing your gut. Yeah. And, 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 and you learn what works and you shit out the rest. And yeah. I just think the more information for me musically mm. and I don't know, in life, uh, yeah. the better. I agree. And now obviously going from that to your new album, Corpse Flower with uh, Jean-Claude, and I got to listen mm-hmm. to it, which I was very pleasantly I just had such a wonderful time listening to it I didn't know what to expect and I didn't want to read anything about it before I listened because that always weirdly sticks into my brain (laughs) um you're a journalist and you know (laughs) but what then drew you to the you know French language or that way of making you know that style of making music you know obviously you're not singing in French exclusively but I'm sure that you consumed a fair amount while you know doing the project and how how prepared were you before you went into into that collaboration um it was like a long gestating kind of <clears throat> thing that started really as a friendship with Jean-Claude uh we'd worked together we worked together on a, a Gainsbourg thing um like shit nine eight nine years ago oh wow okay in in LA yeah and and we became friends after that and we talked about hey Maybe someday we should do something. Mm. And like, that's sort of like my MO. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when I have a spark, I'll just like throw something out there and then see if someone's responsive to it. And, and he was, it took a while, you know, to, obviously some, some, some years um, to figure out the path we were going to take, but it ended up being, you know, he sent me a lot of the music that he had written. And then I sort of adapted his lyrics from French into English and contributed some of my own stuff. And um, yeah, it, it became just, I don't know. It felt yeah. natural. No, it took a while, so but great. it felt natural. But you could feel, yeah. You, and you can feel that when you listen. I mean, just like you're growling on some of the songs and the, that rumble, like especially on, oh, what's that, uh, Browning. Uh, you know, it kind of yeah. feels akin to obviously Tom Waits and his like Tin Pan Alley explorations. And Waits mm-hmm. always feels like a kind of, spiritual connection in terms of like experimentation um as Mm -hmm. a vocalist but are there any vocalists maybe that you have felt really uh, i don't want to say inspired because i'm i can already tell you are probably constantly inspired but is there anyone that just totally blew you away that you thought like what the like there's so much more happening than just singing leonard cohen Oh, amazing. Well, the first track yeah, kind Leonard of feels Cohen. like that, too. Yeah. It feels Leonard yeah. Cohen-y. The way that he recites and the way that he um, can make something spoken sound 
sung. Mm. Like that's a really delicate, crazy, weird talent. And um, see, so yeah, I was really into him. Waits, of course. Um, and Serge Gainsbourg, man. Like no one talks about him as a vocalist. They always no. talk about him as a, you know, like a whatever, a, a playboy and a, a pervert. Yeah. You know, they were, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> But dude, he had an insane voice and a really keen, I think, ear uh, uh, for where to place the voice, how to place it, and and I think he was really an incredible. I agree. Uh, musician, top to bottom. It's because those songs are so ingrained in us. I think you forget that there's this person behind it, or actually, you probably remember too much. You know that what what was whatever was in the tabloids. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. But no one talks about the actual musical right. part of it. All I want to talk about is the sexy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like, it's kind of like Sinatra in a mm. way. Like, like everyone wants to talk about, oh, he, he was a gangster and la ha ha, you know, Las Vegas and mafia and blah, blah, blah. Check it out, man. I've got some outtakes that Sinatra did. Uh, there's a whole series of them. Um, they're bootlegs. They're illegal, but um, <laughs> you and but this I have illegal them. Shit. <laughs> but I have them, and I'm telling you, what 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 they are are recordings of him in the studio, right? <clears throat> and he's doing a take, and he'll stop, and he's doing it. This is like back in the old days. So he's here with a whole brass orchestra, strings, the whole nine, and he'll stop and go, "Hey, that third trump, uh, that third trombone, man, that's a little flat." <gasps> Wow. And that's when you realize this fucker, this guy, <laughs> okay, he wasn't just sitting there with a martini, you know, trying to get through it. He was hearing it like he actually heard the music and was very tuned in and a, you know, an incredible um, interpreter and musician. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think Serge was the same way. Do you feel do you feel like you relate in a way because I feel like you did you did a lot of interviews and you were quite public when you know at least when I was growing up when you were you know in the different bands and things like that and there was so much in the tabloids but do you feel like now you I was in the tabloids? Well not tabloids but you were like forget <laughs> it. You were like <laughs> in you were more the person who's like riling things up. You know, you spoke your mind. You were very honest. Well, okay, okay, yeah, okay, guilty, yeah, maybe. Come on, listen, listen. I don't um, know. No, I'm not going to tell you, but basically, I think that you you were very honest, and I also think that the performances were honest, so people naturally gravitated toward you. You weren't like this bullshit artist that was listening to everybody else. Um, but do you relate in such in terms of keeping your private life quite private and making sure that people are only talking about the music? Is that something that you I consider? Mean, uh, uh, yeah, I am. I'm a little guarded. Yeah. You know? And I learned that. I learned that from an early age. Yeah. It's just cause yeah. Um, you know, you learn that kind of stuff the hard way. You sort of realize, Hey man, I'm already giving, you know, a thousand percent to the music I, and then, yeah. you know, to yeah. the press, you kind of got to like, you got to, there, there, there's an art to it. Mm. And there really is. And I think, I think, I hope I've gotten a little bit better at that because there was a while where I was a total asshole, you know, mm. and I didn't, I didn't say anything. And all I would do is give you sarcastic answer yeah, and yeah. like, and, and, and spread out crazy lies and rumors just because <laughs> it was funny. 
Um, <laughs> kind of was funny, but yes, yeah, no, it I, kind of <laughs> it's fun, kind of funny, but yeah, no. I, but like I nowadays, I don't that. even mess with that. It's like, why bother? Well, you can't, I suppose. Now it can get you know diluted uh, in a thousand million pieces. You you know back then there was kind of a straight line. It was kind of more linear. But now with so many different channels and so many different people who have access, uh, it could just get torn apart. And then you really. I mean, I don't even know. care about that. I just feel you know my explanation is. What I grew is up. your explanation? <laughs> Give me a. I just re- grew up and yeah. I realized what's important, and what's not, and 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 really. Fucking with the press and being a dick is not really worth it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's much easier to just be, what did I say to you before? The easiest thing in the world is just to be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I appreciate that. Also, because I think that, there, again, you are so you, beloved for the different projects that you've done that, to be honest, a, a, a press really is just you just trying to get your story out so but i don't blame you to be honest there's some terrible journalists out there so i don't blame you honestly um but then i think you're pretty good at it so you're you're doing fine (laughs) thank you this is gonna sound weird but what atmosphere do you feel like you need on stage especially going into now you releasing this new album i'm not sure if you're gonna tour it or what you have planned for but when you get on stage, what atmosphere do you need in order to feel really comfy and, you know, like you can thrive? With this record? Hmm. Uh, you want a you goofy answer or like honest? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go for honest always. Okay. Uh, any atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a project like this is going to be so hard to bring yes. to the stage. That's what I was thinking. That yeah. That that we'll play fucking anywhere. Mm. We'll play in Panama. We'll go to, mm. you know, you tell me where. South we'll Africa. Go, to go back home to there my hometown, South Africa. Yes, <laughs> I would love to go there. I've never been there. I really want to go. Wait, there. you've never been there? Nope. In never all been. your years nope. of traveling. Nope. I know we're been. at the end of our interview, but honestly, if you need tips, and it's fucking beautiful, and you talk about like South African music. An artist from there. Oh my God. If you're interested in jazz. Yeah, tell me about it. Yep. Dude, if you're interested in yep. jazz, Spook Matambo. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. He yes, is I have. something else. And, and like uh, even even the, even some of the um some of the some of the more kind of let's just say uh grimier stuff. Right. Like right. Burna Boy. Oh, and, yeah. you know, oh, I mean, like, totally. It's insane. It's good though. It's oh, good. It's so good. This it like does something to your brain. It's like a drug. It like literally like yep. licks your brain it's so good oh my gosh you should definitely well go you should definitely go i need to i need to i need to. i know because you live in nice san francisco at least it's similar to cape town <laughs> actually yeah and we got sharks here too oh, fuck. oh yeah i can't even laugh about that i can't even laugh about the sharks <laughs> This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows.
If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you all later. again for listening to this week's episode here's a little reminder that StubHub is the best place to score the tickets you need whenever you need them backed by their 100% fan protect guarantee StubHub has the seats you want at the price you want to pay and they're never sold out so you can score tickets up to the last minute head to cosradio.lv slash StubHub that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub, and then enjoy the show. Consequence Podcast Network.